We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Mike. And in our last episode, we got into the weeds on Max Christie's game. And today, uh, as we wrap up Summer League, we wanted to get into the guys on the two-way contracts and then just some other guys kind of on the periphery of of the Lakers Summer League roster, potentially going into camp uh, and the South Bay Lakers and all of that. So let's start with the two-way guys. Mike, we got... um, Cole Swider, who's shot the hell out of the ball, and Scottie Pippen Jr., who's shown an array of skills on both ends of the floor. Let's start with Swider. 6'9 shooter has come as advertised, didn't shoot as well against the Clippers in last night's game, but has really, you know, shot the ball well. Uh, what, what have your impressions of Cole Swider been so far, Mike? I've been trying to watch to see what else is there besides the shooting, because the shooting was something that we, I didn't take for granted, but that was, that's what he does, right? That's what he does. And, and he, I think it was positive to see that he can translate very easily from being a shooter at the college level to knocking down threes and knocking them down right away at the NBA uh, summer league level, which he did in the first two games in San Francisco. And he has continued here. And you mentioned that he didn't have his best shooting game uh, against the Clippers. And I, I still think he was like two for five or two for six. Yeah, he was two for six. Um, which yeah, is, I'm just used to him shooting 60% from three, Mike. Well, <laughs> he, had a, right. in, he had a down night. <laughs> in like, in exactly. In a, in a down night, you know, going like two for six, like you take that. Because coming into that, um, he had been averaging four makes on seven and a half attempts, uh, which was right up there in terms of volume and efficiency of anybody in the summer league. And I wouldn't say that his shots, his shot quality has been great uh, because he is, Agreed. he is the guy on the scouting report, even at this level that they're like, Hey, that's, the, that's the shooter, right? So don't give him airspace. So he's not just been sitting there on the weak side, like waiting, taking time, right? He's in fact, let me kick it back to you on that to, for specifically like the difference between the kind of looks he's getting and what you would typically uh, get. So the best shooters are movement shooters that you can run plays for. And in the half court, in some ways, like uh, Golden State's offense has always been as 
built around clay as it's been around Steph. Now there are, you know, more things that Steph can do because he's got the ball handling ability, but a shooter that can come off of screens is somebody that you have to account for and you can run plays for. And so I've loved that. He's come off of down screens. He's come off of like all of the different looks that you can get in, uh, in a four out type of system and has been able to knock down shots both off of movement. If they close out, he can hit that one dribble pull up. We haven't really seen him get all the way to the basket. Um, but, yeah, the quality of looks, it's been great to see a guy who, if they're half a step, a quarter of a step too far off of him, he's just going to let it fly. And I think that's going to be something that he's continuing to be encouraged to do in part because that is why he's on the floor, Mike. Like you're, you said you're looking for things other than the shooting. Like I see other areas where he's like, okay, can compete and has some some glaring weaknesses in other respects. But when you can shoot like that and they can run plays for you, in some ways that also like, we don't have a ton of shooting on the rest of the roster. So it can kind of negate if you have a non-shooter on the floor. For example, like him and THT, I think with some bench units would be a good combination, right? And so I, I, like, I don't see a ton aside from the shooting, but the shooting looks really legit to me. Right, and so- and that's that if the shooting is as advertised, which it is, then there's always that there's a there's a rotation spot in the regular season that where you can put a guy in that is definitely going to have to be guarded from three and, and he can just get some minutes no matter what else he does in the court. Now, that isn't my type of player for a whole season. Right. And particularly mm-hmm. the playoffs and particularly. But it there is a value there. Uh, and and I think that, you know, what Swider has been has been talking about and whether we've talked to him at, at the practice facility or here after games is like, he, he wants to win. He wants to focus on his defense. He wants to focus on rebounding. He wants to move the ball. Well, because he knows that teams know he can shoot. And so he's also trying to say, Hey, look, I can still hang uh, on the court, you know, and that's the, the difference between hanging on the court in summer league, which clearly he can uh, just fine. And can he get some minutes at the next level? You know, that's the next hurdle that has to be, that has to be crossed, but he's, He's definitely checked the box for, I think, what he was acquired for um, on that two-way deal. And that's been good to see. And he does. He also checks a lot of the intangible boxes. He's, uh, he seems to be a really good teammate. Uh, he's, he's somebody that everybody seems to like. like he's, uh, so I'm, I've been impressed with him overall so far. I'm, just, I'm already speaking about like, okay, well, what sure. is this something like Christy we talked about last podcast, right? About, yeah, I can see some of these defensive skills. Well, here, in fact, let me put, put that in the form of a question back to you. Like sure. if you've got it, if you're Darvin Ham and let's say you've got, you've got these guys up, what are you more likely to put on the floor? You know, and don't even worry about the matchup so much, but like a Max Christie where you're pretty confident that he's going to hang defensively or a Swider where you know that you're going to get some spacing for him for a couple minutes. So the problem with Christie is that I'm confident that he can hang defensively so long as there isn't someone on the court that can really physically push him around and score as a, as a result of that uh, physical advantage. So I actually think Swider is a better player at the moment than Christie is because I can like Swider's going to be able to shoot, I think, no matter what the circumstances are and alongside shot creators like elite high level shot creators that's usually a peanut butter and jelly type of fit where whereas yeah with with max like what he's good at is kind of on the nba level i think conditional upon the other team not being too big and so there are only some lineups where that that works whereas with swider like what he does well i know he's going to be able to do well probably no matter what now he's also going to get 
picked on in some respects. Like, so that's my question back to you is you said like your mind's gone to that place of, well, what can he do to hang in regular season yeah. minutes? To me, that all goes on to the defensive end, right? Like he's six, nine, which is a good place to start. Right. And he's not small, like in, in terms of being skinny, but I do see some weaknesses on, on that end. So I think Swider can hang so long as he's the worst defender on the floor and that the other four guys are kind of like th- they can help uh, cover for him. And under those circumstances, I think he could actually be pretty helpful right away. What's funny is you start to think about the lineup construction then, right? And, and we're right back to that same one that we've been dealing with. Okay, well, is it is it a lineup with Russ, right? Is it a lineup with like a uh-huh. guard? But so if it's, let's let's say that it's the starting lineup and, and it's just Christie and Cole uh, for a thought exercise. And if the other team, since they played the Clippers last night, let's say you're playing the Clippers in the regular season. Now, at this point, it's Kawhi and Paul George out on the floor. And if Swider's out there, Right. Then they might be thinking whether it's if Georgie Jackson starting a point or whatever. And you've got zoo rolling. And OK, well, let's let's go ahead and get either one of these guys switched over and get Swider mm-hmm. out and bring him out on an island outside in the perimeter now. Or Reggie Jackson could call him up for a switch. That's the right? one I see. And, yeah. And, and, and dribble right by him. So then so then he's he's not going to be able to hang very well there. But on the other end, so it, you're going to have AD for rim protection. Right. And potentially Damian Jones or Thomas Bryant. So, okay, so maybe you can actually cover that and you just kind of tell Cole, hey, contain as best you can. Sure, you might the defense might get broken down. Um, but on the other end, then he's giving space and that to especially if Russ is on the court, and even if it's just LeBron and AD and he's just banked out in the corner and the other and they have to account for him. So flip-flop it, Christie is not giving you that space because they're gonna encourage him to be the one that shoots it. So it's gonna be a little more clogged defensively. And mm-hmm. then if it's Kawhi and Paul George, they might call him out anyway and then just bully him, you know? And so that's right. So it's like, I don't, there isn't necessarily to me an automatic answer uh, there in, in that kind of a lineup. And if it's, if it's a, a bench lineup, um, then you're, you're still a little bit kind of picking offense to defense. And, and so I'm not, it's a little, it's probably a little silly to already be putting these guys, one of whom is the number 35 pick that's 19 the other of whom is a two-way player against the Clippers starting lineup right with with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard yes exactly so just I, a thought exercise though yeah. I get where you're coming that's from right, yeah. but I'm just I'm this is what I'm just trying to think like long term even and and that's it, it illustrates probably why it's difficult for guys that are in those spots that are drafted in those spots let alone a high lottery pick to come out and stick on the floor against a really good team that's that's an extreme example um, and and that's different from how it would be playing Houston or OKC or Detroit, like these teams that are talented yep. but still young, where you're not worry, really worried at all about those guys hanging because you've got so many rookies on the other end. But that, that was that was where my mind was going. No, I, and I think that those are exactly the spaces and parts of the season. Remember how poorly we started, Mike, against a, a really easy schedule last year, in part because we just the back half of our team with with injuries, we didn't have those guys. I'm much happier this year with like eight through 15. Now, yeah, does eight through 15 that, win you a championship? Because of the text thread uh, in which you're oh. telling me the amount of minutes that are, that are left on the floor of guys that aren't signed yet, like every other day. <laughs> uh, yes yes alex regular uh, tweeted that he, he's great if you don't follow him give him a give him a follow but yeah almost six thousand minutes in the rotation last year to players who are not currently on a team and so like those were all 12th men and below which was like half of our roster and you know how much i was going nuts about this toward the end of the season last year right and so i think that the opportunities for guys like swider and christie are probably fewer than they would have been last season because i actually do like our eight through 15 we've got a lot of guys with Troy Brown and JT 
ETA and, uh, you know, Lonnie Walker, Austin Reeves, Kendrick Nunn's coming back, Damian Jones and Thomas Bryan in that mix. Just the end of the roster, I'm, I'm much happier about. I think it has NBA players on it this year in a way that it did not last season. And so these opportunities will probably be fewer and farther between as, as a result of that. But I do think that projecting long term with Swider in particular, Mike, I don't ever see him being fast or agile. Like one of the things he struggled with in last night's game is uh, is Boston and Jay Scrub in transition just ate him up, right? Whenever he had to guard an athlete in open space, he's just not going to be able to do that. That's why a shooter like that at that height goes undrafted, right? Is they've got these type of holes. But for me, defensively, I want to see him get physical. I do think that he can kind of rough it up and put a body on someone and is big enough to like box a guy out and win some physical battles on the defensive end. And if he can do that, he'll have, I think, a a role in this league in ways that I'm never expecting him to guard Boston, a guy like BJ Boston in space. You know what I mean? And so in a lot of ways, developing these young players, Mike, to me is like, make sure you're asking them to do things that they are good at, that they are capable of doing. It's one of the things we failed at, I think, with THT last year is we put them in such kind of a foreign environment. So that's kind of how I see Swider defensively is just be able to bang, be able to be physical, and, and you can definitely have a role. Yeah, no no doubt. The The only closing thought on on Swider is just like, even with all, all of that said, I think it is impressive nonetheless to come into any environment and immediately just hit shots. So when they, even if you're yes. supposed to hit shots, it's not as easy when that's the expectation. And we've seen guys come in to the Lakers in the regular season and a guy that's a really good shooter, but just doesn't actually hit them. He's, he's actually hit them at a super efficient rate. So he gets real credit for that. And that's difficult in summer league, which is more of a shot creators environment than a finishers environment. So let's take a quick break and talk about one of those shot creators in Scotty Pippen Jr. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Pippin is the guy that I'm most conflicted on. And if you want my TLDR take... I would prefer Jay Huff to get the second two-way to Pippen 
which probably belies the degree that I've liked Pippen, that I think he brings a decent amount on both ends of the floor. It's interesting, Mike, a lot of times with sons of former NBA players, you know, they've got a lot of physical tools and they grew up in an, a basketball environment. And what's curious about Pippen is that his dad was like, man, you remember how good Scottie Pippen was? Like six, seven, two-way wing. Mike, I, I have to believe that your love of two-way wings comes from uh, watching Jordan and Pippen dominate in the 90s. And uh, and Scottie Pippen Sr. was just like that textbook two-way wing. And his son, a lot of his struggles, I think, come with actually his physical tools. He's not that big. He's not that athletic, but he definitely knows how to play. And so he's been a guy that without him, I think that offense would be a lot more difficult over the course of summer league. But long term, I'm curious, especially with how many guards that we have, I'm more worried about like a Thomas Bryant going down or an AD going down. And then I'd love to have Jay Huff like as a rim protector to kind of keep the whole thing together. Whereas if one of our guards go down, I just think we got so many guys at that position and who knows what it actually looks like, you know, come training camp, just that there is, if someone goes down, there's, there are more people to step in to that. So anyway, I don't want to get too deep on the Jay Huff stuff, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on Scotty Pippen Jr. Well, first of all, I just agree. I agree with that. I'm on the same plane there as you are in thinking about Scotty and thinking about what the roster's like. Of course, I did. That was my first basketball obsession was the Bulls of the 80s, uh, in like the late 80s, and right before, and then, of course, obviously into the prime 90s. And I've told this story a bunch, but the Timberwolves didn't exist yet until 89. And when they did, they weren't on the local TV uh, channel, like the or the the small non-cable package. So I did, but WGN was. And so while you were watching Magic and Kareem and, and Worthy, I was watching Jordan and Pippen. And that was kind of my indoctrination into basketball. And so, yeah, so I, I absolutely was a huge fan of Scotty and the way that he played growing up. But yeah, other than the craft to Scotty Pippen Jr.'s game, not a lot of similarities, you know, it, nor should there be, nor <laughs> should we put those type of expectations other than like, you know, the Curry's shoot, like that is one family that's pretty consistent, but like Michael and Clay, not very similar players, you know, so mm-hmm. uh, Rick Barry and his sons, not very similar. There, there are going to be, there seems to be more and more um, of these kids that kind of grew up on the court that are in the league. And I think we'll keep seeing that, but I, yeah, that's, that's aside from the main point of just watching him play basketball. Um, I've kind of felt like other than the craft, you know, the, some of the just, the tools, like the shooting, like the shot hasn't been enough, right? There, it, he's been short a lot. There's been a lot of air balls. I think he's shooting 33% uh, for the summer league from the field overall. And there have been a lot of kind of, I think, what is it, from three, 18%. So he's the kind of guy at that size that's got to be knocked down uh, from a shooting standpoint. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially from the perimeter. Because the driving, where he really likes to do his work is driving into the paint and kind of using craft, you know, finishing on the other side of the rim and you can just tell that that stuff has been harder even between college between this level and he's just getting a lot more contested where you see those kind of spin reverse where he's trying to go really high off the glass because he's having to go so far out of his his comfort range and mm-hmm. being in person i've gotten to see that a little bit better because i'm the court the courtside seats here for the media are right next to the basket so i'm you can almost feel the the size that he's having to contend with whereas when a bigger guard gets down there you know, it's not even, it's just not even a thing. It's just kind of an easy little flip finish off the glass. Just talking about the offensive end. And then, you know, defensively, obviously he's got the size, the team can go out a little bit too. But I'm, I, I think that as he can develop his shot and, you know, maybe make some progress there, he'll get some of the 
He'll get some of the angles better, Pete, once he gets inside. But right now, it seems to be a bit away from certainly from an NBA level. Yeah, that's that's my concern as well. And I think that to his benefit, I think that he would be a guy that would play well off of shot creators as well. Uh, His a lot of his game, I think, is conducive to being a high usage player in a way that he'll never be that on the NBA level, there will just be too many other guys that deserve the touches. So like, he's a guy that in summer league can have a 25, 30% usage, but I think that you'd see his efficiency go way up. If he could be in that 15 to 20% range where he's relied upon to just knock down the catch and shoot three, as opposed to the step back with four seconds left on the shot clock that he's found himself in on a, a few instances. I, but to kind of some some notches in his belt, like why he's in his position in the first place is he's really clever, man. He had a play a couple of games uh, back where he pushed like a speed dribble ahead into kind of a tight window, shortened his dribble because it would have gotten stolen if he didn't, and uh, then dragged two defenders with him and pitched it off to Swider while setting kind of a butt screen and Swider knocked down a wing three. And just like he did like three clever things in this very short window of time. And so he can get to the basket and just he's got a lot of good like on ball ability that I'm there's some players I think like that guy would kill it in Europe because he will get the touches and like that that overwhelming size that you were talking about like bothering a guy his size doesn't exist to that same degree um but I yeah I'd be curious to see him alongside some some shot creators well first of all I do think it's good to see this type of a player in the G League for a little while and just get him some more games yeah like Try not to, as I was citing his shooting percentages, of course, that's a summary of three games and one bad game completely tanks your shooting percentage. So it's almost stupid to even consider, right, relative to what the shot opportunities are. Same thing with assist to turnover mm-hmm. ratio, which hasn't been great for him. It's you know 4.7 to 3.3. But then again, summer league is not the best place for that with the guys you're playing nope. with, not knowing each other. It's just somewhat arbitrary. So He's he's a guy that I do want to see some with the South Bay Lakers. And then after about 10 games, then we can look at those numbers a little more. We can use the eye test a little more and come to a better conclusion. But some real some real obvious tools there that you just pointed out, Pete, that I think are worth seeing further. But, you know, it's also not some something where he can, he comes in and is just immediately like, oh, yeah, I could see that right away getting rotation minutes like with the senior spot like that. He's got to show up first. I think that's harder to see with him than it would be with a guy like Swider, for sure. Let's take another break. And when we come back, get into a couple of the guys who are not currently under two-way contracts that have impressed us. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And sorry, one last thing on Pippen. He's pretty good in terms of ball pressure and getting deflections. So even though he's 
a smaller type of guard. I just wanted to point out that he's got some defensive utility uh, there. He's not just going to be a guy that gets picked on over and over. But someone who has a lot of defensive utility, who I'm so bummed that, like, first off, I hope he's healthy, right? Uh, he's been in health and safety protocols. Uh, but he was hooping, man. There was such a big difference between when Jay Huff was on the floor and when he wasn't. Um, you know, big guy doesn't have a lot of perimeter mobility but man did he have the front of the rim on lock and that's something that within the construct of our roster and defensive scheme is going to be important to have the personnel that can actually do that and so jay huff uh to me i I know we only got to see a couple games from him but tell tell me your thoughts on him man you were there uh and, and saw him in person yeah, Huff really dominated those two games in San Francisco on the defensive side of the court. Uh, he he was just swallowing up the rim, and guys were continuing to drive at him. And that's one thing that I think does happen in some league where there's just a lot of, you know, there's not as much specific game planning as to how to maybe get him out in space and, you yeah. know, what can we do here? It's just, just kind of keep testing him, and he just kept – he didn't get a lot of – he didn't get credited for a lot of blocks, but he must have – either deflected or just disrupted, I don't know, like 15 shots in both both games. So uh, it was, that was impressive. My, the kind of, the thing that I try to balance that with is the players that were on those Miami and Golden State teams, because Moody played limited minutes. I mean, he played some and he, and Christy actually did a really nice job on him, but I don't know. There wasn't a guy that was really challenged that like an NBA level player tech that was challenging him there but nonetheless like yeah. it was there was not a lot of space uh, for anybody to challenge so I was impressed there and then he was you know he was shoot, he was hitting some threes so there's no question he was impressive there and, and you got that like I hope other teams aren't really watching this too closely like to be <laughs> yeah. you know uh, so there was that going on but uh, yeah I was impressed with him I was uh, I was impressed with him on the offensive end as well. I thought that within a pick and pop type of big. So for one, I think he's more of a theoretical stretch five than an actual one at this point. Right. Uh, he hit a nice corner three in one of those games. And I, I think he might have hit two threes over uh, those two games. But his actual three point percentage over the last and, and last year was not great. Um, but it's there. And there's. His ability to attack closeouts, I thought, was really impressive. He could put the ball on the deck and, you know, had a couple of nice little ball fakes, little skip passes to open corner shooters. Having a big man that's capable of knocking down that shot, but also like keeping the ball moving, you know, flow into a handoff with a guard, can attack a closeout and get to the rim and won't, you know, fumble the ball away if he doesn't have arms digging down to, to strip it from him. I just... I was impressed by kind of that versatility that he had in that respect as well. Like if you can just lock down the front of the rim, we know you're not going to be able to do much defensively on the perimeter, lock down the front of the rim and just like do your job on offense. There's a place for a guy like that, especially on a team that I think is really going to want to go out of its way to protect the rim. You mentioned his shooting last year in the G league and uh, you're right. Eli. I think it was, it ends up being 28.8%. Now the trick is he only took one and a half, well, 1.9 attempts per game. And if so, if you add, let's say that five shots that rimmed out go down, yes, and he's at like 35%. So it's right in my ratio, right? Of is this guy a shooter? Do you want to just leave him wide open? And he, but he's so tall that he's going to be a wide open. Like you can't really have a big guard him there. You can't like face guard a seven footer from three. It's the same thing with Carl Anthony Towns. Like if he's going to in Jokic, like you in B, you cannot keep those guys from shooting threes. They're just too big and it's it's too hard to get out in their face. 
and especially when you have shot creators like LeBron and Russ or, or a different high level guard, like those guys are going to be open for a reason because they've collapsed the paint defensively on those guys. And so like just knock down your open threes. I don't need them hitting yeah. step backs like Cat or Joel Embiid or anything like that. Right. But that late closeout with that high release point from a tall guy like that, you're not ever going to bother that. And yeah, if you can even hit 33 percent of those. Right. Like you said, it's just the difference of a few shots, especially yeah. on such a small sample that it's like just be in that range and that 80 percent of NBA players can knock down open threes, you know, like just be yeah. in that range. And I think that's a pretty helpful guy. I want to move on to to the guy that wasn't on the team last year, but just the one player that's really caught my eye and you brought up right before the pod is catching your eye as well. Javante McCoy can really score, like really score. Um, there's not, not great defensively, uh, but it's certainly given effort, but Mike, that, I mean, really, really score. Talk talk to me about what you've seen from, from him. Well, I, I found myself not just yesterday, but in one of the first two games, just kind of Googling, um, Devontae McCoy, like to check out some of his college stats. I was like, hold on a second. Like he's pretty big, you know, he's six, five, like he's from Milwaukee. Uh, he, he went to a prep school in Boston, you know, like he, uh, he, and he, then he played at uh, BU. So he's a, a smooth, smooth scorer and a smooth player. And to the point where even against that next level of competition, like the getting some pressure from the Clippers who had some athletes, like he's getting wide open space and then he's rising above the defense. He's about six, five and like the re- the release looks good. Uh, he basically won the Lakers the game uh, yesterday. He was plus. I think it was like plus 17. Yes, yeah, plus 17 off the bench. He was seven for 10 from the field. And I s- spoke to him after the game. We did a little a post-game interview with him. And he was uh, he was just kind of excited. Like, he's like, this has been a dream these last couple of weeks. Like, I've always wanted to be here. Because uh, I had asked him a question in the form of, hey, are you guys starting to get a little tired? Like, you've been, you've now been at Summer League since the end of June. You know, it's been a long, even though it's only been, I think it's, let's see, so three, it's been six games, but they've been coming in succession and it's just, it, it's 110 degrees out. And he's like, no, man, like this, what are you talking about? Like, I'm loving this. This is great. We got another game uh, in a couple of days. So I like his demeanor in that sense and his kind of hunger to play and the ability to score. I wish Darius were here in this context, like just for our kind of bucket getting. Yeah type of guy me too you know he can get those buckets and that's an nba type skill and now i now i'm in in that same realm of where okay well swider i know can shoot now boom established skill like that's nba caliber got it now how can you hang with the rest of your game and what what can you show with the rest of your game but the scoring is clearly there at least especially yeah, from the his, perimeter you might maybe like to get into the rim a little bit more but yeah like his off the dribble shooting in particular like when he gets isoed up against a guy he's capable of hitting just about any jump shot on balance and just you can just see the way the ball goes in the basket it's very clean very like it's very pure type of scorer and so yeah it is that that's something too mike where i'm curious your thoughts on this of all the guys we've talked about so far today in particular Three of them between Huff's rim protection, Cole Swider's three-point shooting, and Javante McCoy's isolation scoring and jump shooting. All three of those guys have three like, yeah, you have an NBA skill to that degree. So those three guys between Swider, Huff, and McCoy all have like a an NBA skill of which, like you said, it's like, well, what else can you do to just stay on the court? Well, he, Whereas you would, you would mention in the text thread too, uh, like Nate Pierre-Louis from the defensive standpoint, right, fits in there too. 
Yes, exactly. Right. That ability to to pressure the ball. So like you see something like, oh, you do that at an NBA level, definitely. And whereas Pippen is, I'd say, more of a generalist where there's not any one aspect of his, his game, but there are a, a bunch of different ones that he's solid at. I'd say he has a more complete game than any of the guys that we talked about. How do you look at that from because when we break down these types of guys, if you get a rotation player or a couple of rotation players out of this group, that's great. But very unlikely they're ever one of the main guys on a team. How do you view these types of players? Like, what do you see is more important? Is it that NBA ready skill versus that ability to do a little bit of everything? It's an eternal question, right, for NBA GMs and right, and what what are the what are the types of guys? And I think a lot of it depends. For me, the difference, the tiebreaker would be who do I have on my team? Like, is it is my star like a LeBron? Is my star Steph Curry? You know, is my star somebody uh, that needs that's going to be on the court with potential guys that have one skill set versus the all around player? I tend to, you know, as as you know, I tend to veer towards the guys like in terms of who I want on the actual roster um, who have that potential to be on the court and not sort of the one skill guy in the one skill area guys, because I, mm-hmm. I just think in the modern NBA in a games that matter in crunch time type situations. Now with that said, there are exceptions to that for the guys that do one thing great. And, the, and that one thing has its function and it's going to help you win enough games where it, he can, doesn't have to be in your 10 man rotation and you do need 11 through 15 there. And so, and that's really the category that we're talking about when we're talking about summer league anyway, because there aren't, there aren't a lot of NBA rotation spots available right now for next season on a single team. It's either going to be occupied by Mm -hmm. a vet or a, a lottery type talent that needs minutes. And then even at that juncture, then you start to get into like the advantage that Max Christie is going to have over a guy like Swider or McCoy, because he was the 35th pick. And even that, the team is thus mm-hmm. has equity in that more than they do a two way. So that's the way that this stuff usually works. And to break out of that, you really have to have a lot um, going for, and you really have to play well, but that's what, you know, that's what McCoy in a sense has done with his scoring in summer league to raise those eyebrows and to, and kind of, to kind of think uh, like last year, Trevor and queen really stood out in a couple of games mm-hmm. and he, and he actually played for the Lakers in the summer, but Houston slash Rio Grande had his rights. And so he goes back there and now what happens? Well, he's now a He's not, I I think he'll end up being a bench player um, for them, but like he's Maury plucked him out and brought him to Philly. And and this is, this is one of those guys. So can, can McCoy get to a level like that? Now he hasn't impressed to the level that queen did um, last year, but, but it's been, it's been enough to, uh, to be considered, uh, I think. And I think that, I think that other teams will probably notice how well that he's played in pockets here. I think to your point about like, can you be on the court that like 80% of that has to do with, can you defend within the context of an NBA game? And Queen is a wing athlete that is active on the defensive end. That's much closer on that end of the floor than a guy like, uh, like McCoy or Swider or, or Pippen Jr. So I, I agree that, you know, like, that's probably a little lofty to be, you know, because Queen is on a full scale NBA contract the year after we had him in summer league, I think in part because of his defensive capabilities that don't necessarily match our guys. But I also think there's more than one way to go about it. And those single skill type of guys that like, hey, we need someone who can knock down shots. It, Swider in particular is a guy that it 
a lot of times has to do with what is the need you have on your roster. And I think that a six, nine knockdown shooter, like we can cover for you. If you got Anthony Davis or Damian Jones behind you, Thomas Bryant, we can protect the rim, chase guys off the three point line, do your job recovered to the correct place, box a guy out, do your, you know, just again, do your job. That That's more likely for a guy like him. than again, a guy like McCoy who could, have, a, you know, impress us all we'd like, but at the end of the day, are you going to give Javante McCoy the ball over LeBron or AD or even some of our bench guys? Probably not. So in a lot of ways, I think it has to do with the existing construction of your team. And that's part of the reason why I want Huff on the second two-way is I think that counting on a TB or an AD to stay healthy throughout the season, I think we're going to need one more body. And Pete, yeah, the last one I'm like, even Mason Jones, who played great off the bench against the Clippers, he's used to starting, he's used to having mm-hmm. the ball. And he is, his whole thing after the game was like, I got to learn how to play, to focus more on defense, um, making my shots, coming in and scoring quickly uh, and being a bench player, right? Because like, and he's, I think he's always had these visions as well he should, right? Of grandeur, but he's trying to figure out how to, adjust his game to be seen as somebody that can come in and give you some pop uh, like that. It's the Vander Blue conundrum. So uh, it was good to get into to all these guys. I think we had a successful summer league. And once D comes back, we'll, uh, I think, get more into the bigger picture stuff and free agency and trade rumors and all that good stuff. But uh, yeah, successful summer league. Good to see the young guys in action in some Lakers basketball. All right. We will be back tomorrow uh, to cover more. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Ains has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. And the Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot, the an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, two one. Missed it. Unbelievable. What a It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. Bad insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.